Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. It was that same yearning for freedom that nearly 250 years ago gave birth to a special place called America. It was a small cluster of colonies caught between a great ocean and a vast wilderness. It was home to an incredible people with a revolutionary idea that they could rule themselves, that they could chart their own destiny, and that together they could light up the entire world. Hello, friends. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. So last night I was with President Trump, got a chance to greet him there at Mar-a-Lago and with a bunch of other uh, great American patriots uh, uh, all from all over the place, uh, Charlie Kirk and Dan Bongino, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, uh, Kellyanne Conway. Everybody was uh, together. Uh, there for a, a beautiful evening with Dinesh D'Souza, who just came out with a new uh, film, which I uh, encourage you to check out. And uh, we were uh, just talking about so many, uh, so many different things. And uh, of course, uh, Jason Miller from uh, Getter. So great to be able to uh, to talk with Jason and uh, all of you who are on Getter. You know what a powerful and wonderful platform this is. I hope all of you. Uh, out there in the uh, Priest for Life and RSBN audience have an account on a getter. Uh, if not, you know what? I think today's a good day to go and get one. And uh, the interaction is fantastic. Uh, and of course, the posts are along the lines of that torch in the hand of free speech and uh, freedom overall. So we're going to do as we usually do, and that is to pray, uh, to um, uh, pray from the scriptures. I want to go to the beginning of John's gospel. And uh, by the way, you can uh, leave me your comments and I'll uh, respond. I know somebody is saying, love the picture in the background. You know, I always say about that picture, if uh, if if President Trump were not where, where he is, uh, we would not be where we are. He defended our religious freedom. Uh, we were battling for our survival in, uh, in the Supreme Court. And uh, it was the election of President Trump that kept our ministry, Priests for Life, and numerous other ministries, Christian universities, and uh, 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 other other groups in existence and to, to protect us from getting punished for living out our faith. And that's something that the Constitution uh, does, not, does not and should never tolerate is somebody having to choose, okay, between living out their faith and living according to the law. Another person, oh, thank you for these... Uh, Question. See, I told you how uh, interactive our getter friends are. Uh, do you believe Roe v. Wade will be overturned? Yes, because we have this, this leak showed us that that's exactly the track that the court is on. It's a complete reversal of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And I really don't think any of the justices that have already uh, 
concluded that that's the right thing to do are going to uh, are going to change their minds at this point. So uh, I think we're on the right track. So let's go to the uh, beginning of John's Gospel, and we're going to read here um, chapter one, where we have the very very familiar words: "In the beginning was the Word." And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through Him, and without Him nothing came to be. What came to be through Him was life, and that life was the light of the human race. The light shines on in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light that enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God, those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by a man's decision, but by God. And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we saw his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, filled with grace and truth. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for the light that has come into the world, your Son, Jesus Christ, a light that has enlightened America and through America the rest of the world. We thank you, Lord, for the faith our founders placed in this Word made flesh. We thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of so many citizens to following Jesus Christ and to implementing public policies in America in accordance with His Word. Bless us that we might continue to do so, especially as the darkness asserts itself in the destruction of our freedoms, in the destruction of unborn children, as the darkness tries to assert itself in so many ways, keep us firm in adhering to the light. We pray in the name of that light itself, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, It's been busy days for us in the pro-life movement dealing with this leak from the Supreme Court. Leak of a very good thing. So we're disappointed that that somebody uh, uh, had enough disrespect for the procedures of the court to leak this thing, but at, at the same time elated about what the leaked document says, as I've commented to you already. I want to talk tonight about another aspect of this that I didn't... Um, Uh, speak about much yet. Uh, And by the way, to find out all the information you need to know about this, go to supremecourtvictory.com. That's a special website about this this Dobbs case, supremecourtvictory.com. But the political implications for the midterm elections. Now, I was just looking at something today, uh, an opinion that said, well, you know, it's not really going to change change things much. Well, I agree that it's not going to benefit the Democrats in any way, shape, or form. If anybody thought that this was going to be helpful for the midterms to stir up a whole bunch of frenzy over 
the court reversing Roe versus Wade, uh, that's not that's not going to happen. You look, for example, at the protesters who came out right away in front of the Supreme Court, these pro-abortion people. Uh, these are folks that are already voting uh, on the left side of the uh, of the aisle. Uh, no question about it. They're not there's no uh, mathematical gain. Uh, of, with with crowds like this that are being fired up and whipped up into a frenzy, uh, the Democrat base is is the Democrat base. But the point of the fact is that uh, the article I read underestimated the way in which abortion influences voters. Uh, if you don't have this issue in play, and if you don't have a solid pro life uh, uh, position, you would never have uh, Republican majorities. Uh, that's for sure. And um, but but the what, but the point that can get confusing for people is when the uh, polling asks the question, what is the most urgent? What is the most important issue for you in the election? Now, stop and 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 think about this for a moment. There are a lot of issues that define your political boundaries. Okay. You would not, for example, vote for someone, I would assume, that wants to reinstitute slavery or that wants to deprive women of the right to vote. Just take two two crazy examples, right? Because there are no candidates like that. But if there were, and if they if they started campaigning on that, there are certain issues that we hold as disqualifying. In other words, oh, if a candidate were ever to take that position, I would never vote for them. Stop and think for yourself for a moment about how many such issues you have in your mind and heart, right? Okay. Having thought about that, hold on to that thought. And then ask yourself, if a pollster came to you and said, what is the most important issue in this election? How many of those disqualifying issues would you mention? In other words, would you answer, oh, the most important issue in this election is to uh, stop slavery? People would laugh at you. But you would never vote for a candidate who supported slavery. See, and that's the point when it comes to pro-life, when it comes to the issue of abortion. By and large, the voters in the conservative movement, the voters in the Republican Party, the voters in the MAGA movement see this as one of those defining issues. I'm not going to vote for a candidate who thinks it's okay to kill babies. As one pro-life activist told me uh, uh, one time at a... Uh, uh, on a pro-life march, he came running up to me in the street. I could still see him in my memory. And he said, Father, you know, if those politicians can't respect the life of a little baby, how are they supposed to respect mine? Isn't that a logical question? So it's not like we're saying, uh, it's not like people are necessarily going to, on their own, identify abortion as the uh, most important issue in the election is the most important issue in the election. A lot of people are going to think about it as, well, what's the current hot debate? What's the top thing in the, in the news? Now, of course, right here at the moment, abortion has 
come up to the top of the news. But in one's political calculations, this for so many voters, for I would say an electorally significant portion of voters, is a defining issue. In other words, it's settled in their minds and in their hearts. It's settled. And they're not even going to consider a pro-abortion candidate. That doesn't that that stance doesn't necessarily get reflected in a poll that asks you what do you, what is the most important issue in the election. Now, as somebody is uh, pointing out, and as I uh, completely agree, you know this is about the future of our children and grandchildren. It's always the number one concern. The protection of life is always the number one concern because it's always the number one duty of government. And without the right to life, without life itself, if you're killed in the womb, then what happened to your education? What happened to your right to vote? What happened to your right to be kept safe from terrorism? What happened to your right to work? They all went out the window when your right to life was taken away. So it's the foundation and it's also the heart and core of every issue. So don't think that just because people might not Uh, explicitly mention abortion, that it isn't a foundational concern, so much so that they simply will not vote for a pro-abortion candidate. Now, I have some polling here going back to the last election uh, that I'd like to review a few few of these points with you because this, this, this hammers home the point that I'm making. Which of the following issues was asked, and this was a Marist um, uh, NPR PBS NewsHour poll in 20, uh, going into the 2020 election, which of the following issues will be the most important factor in deciding your vote for president? Overall, 12% of the electorate said abortion. But among those who identify as pro-life, if you just take that segment of the populace, 17% abortion is the most important issue. But, and here's the comparison I want to make, among those who identify as pro-choice, less than half, 8%, said it was the most important issue. So in other words, what you find is that among the voters for whom abortion is the most important issue, pro-life people outnumber pro-abortion by more than two to one. If you ask, um, thinking about how the abortion issue might affect your vote, For major offices, okay, so not just for president, but major offices like congressional seats, would you only vote for a candidate who shares your views on abortion? So whatever view you have, would you vote only for a candidate who shares those views? And let's see what the results on that were. Overall, 29%. That's a very significant portion of the electorate. But what views do they have? If you ask among pro-life people, would you um, only vote for a candidate that shares your views on abortion? The number rises to 35%. But if you ask it among people who identify as pro-choice, the number falls to 26%. You see the point I'm making. It's an electorally significant factor. Is a politician's position on abortion a major factor, a minor factor, or not a factor at all in deciding your vote for Congress? Now, again, this is from the last election, but notice how it breaks down. 47% in all of the voters, 47%, almost half, 
said it's a major factor, a major factor. Now, if you ask among pro-life people, 54% said it's a major factor. If you ask among pro-choice people, only 45% say it's a major factor. So again, we have the advantage. We have the advantage in enthusiasm. We have the advantage in making it a priority. We have the advantage in letting it motivate us how to vote. Uh, this particular matter of the Supreme Court, you know, we have to be reminding people this is not about the Supreme Court in this current Dobbs decision taking away, quote unquote, the, quote, right to abortion. That's not what they're what they're doing here. That's not what the leaked draft opinion written by Justice Alito says. What it says is that this procedure of abortion has never in our American history outside of Roe v. Wade, had status as a constitutional right. So instead of giving it some special, magical, dogmatic status as a constitutional right, why don't you let the people hammer out their differences on this through the political process, through the legislative process, like we do on just about every other issue? Let them hammer it out. We believe that when they do hammer it out, they come down on the side of life. But let them hammer it out nonetheless. You see, the, 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 the point the other side has to prove is not whether it's a better policy to have a, a legal abortion or to have protection of the unborn. In, this, in the matter of this particular court case, what the other side has to demonstrate is why it is that the court and why it is that we should all give the court the final power to decide what the states can and cannot regulate. Because that's what's been happening with Roe v. Wade. They're saying to the states, oh, you want to protect babies uh, or, uh, you know, in the womb. You can't do that. We're going to tell you exactly to what extent you can do that. We are going to tell you. The unelected judges are going to tell you. How about the elected lawmakers speaking for the people that have to elect them pretty frequently? The frequency of elections is a reminder of their accountability to us, the electorate. Important things to think about. Once again, supremecourtvictory.com. We have a lot of information there about this case. Going, continuing to talk about some polling uh, data. You know, it continues to look very bad for uh, Biden and for the Democrats. Uh, this disapproval rating of Biden continues to be to be very low. Another poll of likely voters uh, at the end of uh, April, just a matter of days ago, again shows that Biden's low approval rating has remained low as it was uh, since January with four, only 41% and some polls, of course, have it even lower than that, 41% uh, approval versus a, a, a strong 57% disapproval. Now, um, he, um, if you break down different categories, the disapproval among white voters 63% among Hispanics, 61% disapproval of Biden, 53% among moderates. So moderates, more than half disapproving, not good for the, their election prospects. Liberals, liberals, 27% disapproval, blacks, 25%. And 25%, this is a very interesting statistic, of the 2020 Biden voters, 25% expressing disapproval of his 
performance. A majority of voters don't think he's going to finish his first term. 52%. Now, a year ago, it was 62%. However, 60% of the public, and let's really ask the question here, why would one say no to this? 60% of the public believes that Biden should take a cognitive health test and release it publicly. Now, I hope you're watching the President Trump rally speeches. Okay, we had one Sunday night. We're going to have another one tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to that. Friday night, Trump rally. Uh, that's what uh, that's what we're going to be watching um, tomorrow night. Trump rally. Um, you know what he pointed out Sunday night in his rally speech? By the way, you can watch these post these rally speeches after the fact and live. Uh, at, we have a special website, PresidentTrumpRallies.com. And, uh, of course, Right Side Broadcasting Network is both showing them live and also keeping uh, the archives as we do, too. PresidentTrumpRallies.com. But he said, hey, you know, he said, I took a cognitive test. He had asked his doctor, you know, what's this test like? What's it about? How hard is it? They told him, well, it gets it gets pretty hard towards the end. You know, the initial questions, of course, are easy. It gets progressively harder. So he said, ah, you know, let me take the test. Oh, you take a test, Mr. President. You know, it's going to become public and I'll take the test. And he aced it. He got everything right. He got everything right. So come on, Brandon, let's go. Brandon administration. Take the test. Take the test. Why? He doesn't take the cognitive test. He doesn't uh, release like President Trump did a list of names of people from whom he would choose uh, to be justices on the Supreme Court. President Trump has transparency. It was the most transparent presidential administration in history. The tweets are part of that. You know, President Trump's tweets, it's like, okay, I know what he's thinking. I know what he's feeling. And so many Americans saying he's feeling and thinking just the way that I am. That's the kind of leader that I want. Somebody's asking a question. Joe Biden, Catholic, can be in favor of abortion. Are there any priests that support his view? I think this is one of the reasons why they feel that they can hold this view is that they're consulting with priests who agree with them, that there are priests giving them bad guidance. We've seen evidence of that. When you talk about Biden, you talk about Pelosi, you talk about these prominent, prominently placed Catholics in our pub, American public life. They are getting bad advice from priests who do agree with them. And this is where the, the, the see, that's, I'm heading up a group called Priests for Life. And over the years, people have asked, oh, why do we have to have a priest for life? Well, listen, the idea of our organization is, is not uh, that, you know, we are pro-life and other priests are not. Are The basis of our ministry is to say, yeah, pro-life is common to all of us. Let's just help each other to say so and to take action. But when you do press the question, technically the answer is no, not all. There are some who unfortunately are weak in this and actually take a position that can, can ultimately be described as pro-choice. They're, they're the, the exception rather than the rule, because in the Catholic community, you know, the teaching is, is, is even more forcefully clear than in um, some other denominations, some other denominations. But brothers and sisters, um, 
it, 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 it's, it's an ongoing scandal that Biden and Pelosi and others try to uh, present themselves as practicing and devout Catholics and at the same time trample down the teaching on abortion. They're not just, you know, some, some of these priests that try to make excuses for these politicians and they want to, you know, and I'm talking about some bishops too, and they want to present themselves as, oh, you know, I'm so loving and compassionate and understanding and enlightened. <clears throat> They're woke. They'll say things like, oh, well, you know, we're all weak. We're all sinners. You know, we all stumble and fall, and we have to have compassion on each other and help each other get back up. Of course we are all weak. Of course we sin every day. Of course nobody is perfect. But the position of the Brandon administration on abortion is not weakness about living out the teaching. It's not like they're going in the direction that the church teaches and, oh, but they're stumbling and falling. Oh, but let's be nice and let's help them get back up again. They're not stumbling along in the path of discipleship. They're running in the opposite direction, brothers and sisters. This is not, oh, but I'm trying, but I'm trying to live out the teaching on abortion. They're not trying at all. What they're trying to do is to expand abortion. What they're trying to do is get more funding for abortion. What they're trying to do is to take away any restriction or limitation on abortion. How do you call that weakness? It's not weakness. It's deliberately going in the opposite direction. It's deliberately rejecting a key teaching of the very religion that you say you're professed. Now, let's make something very clear. I don't vote for people based on their religion. I don't want. I don't necessarily want a, a, a president or my member of Congress or, or my state legislator to be Catholic. I'm not looking at whether they agree with my religion. I'm looking at two other things. First of all, are they going to let me live my religion? Let me live it. I'm not like, I don't care if they live it. Let, them, let me live it. I'm talking about from the perspective of voting for them. But secondly, integrity, honesty, consistency. Don't abuse the faith that you claim to share with us in the Catholic religion or in the wider Christian body, because this is an insult to all of us. We don't have to be Catholic to be insulted by Brandon's hypocrisy on abortion. But the point is, hey, why can't you be honest? See, if you press Pelosi, you press Brandon about this, why can't you be honest and just say, you know what? I'm not in accord with my church on abortion. But no, that's, that's, that's not what they say. Oh, I'm a, I'm a practicing and devout Catholic. And then if you really press them, they're going to say, oh, but this is a private matter. Yeah, but they're the ones that make it public. You ask, uh, for example, it was a press conference not too long ago when there was a vote in Congress on, on, uh, on abortion. Actually, it was the, the Democrats didn't want to allow a vote about taxpayer uh, funding of abortion. And when Pelosi was asked about the decision to prevent a legislative vote, she invoked her Catholic faith. And now you people want to, and, 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 and as far as the, the presidential race, who was the one 
putting ads out, election ads about, oh, I, you know, I pray my rosary and I take comfort in my rosary. Biden did that. So then you're going to turn around and say, oh, but this is a private matter. If it's a private matter, keep it private. And stop shoving down our throats this hypocrisy about how Catholic and devout you are while you are running and mobilizing all the force of government that you can to go in exactly the opposite direction. I've had it with these people. And I'm sure you have too. Enough. Enough of this nonsense. All right, so we've got to speak out. We've got to get our pre... Listen, if you want your clergy to be speaking out more about this, we need your support for our, for our efforts. This is why we are priests for life. We're trying to light a fire under these guys. They should be talking about this from the pulpit. They should be challenging these politicians, just like I am right now. Every single priest ought to be doing this every single day. And we know we are really far away from that, right? We are far from that. So let's start to make a change. We need your help, your support for our work. Priests for Life, look us up. Connect with me on social media, FR Frank Pavone. Let's get this job done once and for all. Let's make it clear, all of us, that we are sick and tired of this hypocrisy. Because again, I'm talking to you, my friends, also who are Christians, fellow disciples, okay? And... Um, uh, and, and, and are likewise uh, insulted by this. You don't have to be Catholic to be able to uh, be insulted by this. So thank you uh, for uh, watching and uh, being here. And uh, uh, brothers and sisters, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And then I want to, again, urge you, get everybody watching President Trump here on uh, Right Side Broadcasting or on our page, uh, presidenttrumprallies.com, uh, um, tomorrow night. May 6th, God bless President Trump. As I said, I greeted him last night uh, there at Mar-a-Lago, and uh, he is just as strong as ever, as energetic as ever, as clear-minded as ever, and just as much the leader of his party and also of really the leader of our nation, more than the one who's in the White House right now. And God bless him for that. So let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, friends. Father Frank Pavone here of Priests for Life. You're in our prayers every day. And we will talk to you soon. I think we have Richard Lee. We have uh, Jim Garlow, and we have Father Frank Pavone, someplace there in the audience, so I appreciate you. I appreciate you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.